Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 53-42. Quickly, Moutier pushes, finds Ingles. Right side three is good. Manuel Moutier is really pushing the action right now. Pressure defense by Peyton picking up Moutier in the backcourt. Moutier breaks the pressure, drives to the rack, draws the foul and finishes. He is going to buy it and he is going to get one free. Emmanuel Moutier. Knicks miss again at the rim. Rudy Gobert rebounds. Jazz by 27 with 8.45 left. They've let go of the rope. Here comes Donovan to the rim and he'll smite a smash at the rim. My IQ, uh, you know, I thought I was a pretty okay, smart player until I came here. So when I came here, he took it to another level and I'm committed like I said, everybody told me what type of coach uh, Coach uh, Quinn was when I came here. So, like I said, I bought in, and I'm just going to continue to try to get better and try to do what I can for my teammates. All right, the, the Jazz with a big win over the Knicks last night. That was Emmanuel Moutier, and he certainly was the story, Gordon, because the game itself was not terrific. The, no. Knicks, uh, <laughs> the Knicks are not good, and they were missing their best two players and that uh, that was a recipe for a disaster for them, certainly. But there's there's nothing quite like watching a guy go at his old team, right? I mean, remember when Jay Crowder really took it to the Celtics and Quinn gave him that big hug after the game? You know, last night's game for Emmanuel Moutier uh, had that type of feel, and he played 25 minutes. Uh, he had 20 points on 8 of 12 shooting, four assists, a steal, a block. I mean, uh, three boards. He was He was great. What do you think your average Nick fan was thinking when they were watching that? Funny you say that because I go through this. Uh, the, there's a Twitter account out there that compiles the, the the highlights from opponents' Reddit threads and puts them up there in uh, in a blog. And it was it was pretty much three quarters of it was complaints about Emmanuel Moutier looking good. <laughs> <laughs> and it was pretty funny. I mean, it was, uh, you know, just to edit one, one was basically Emmanuel Moutier playing defense. What the heck? <laughs> was it a little more colorful? It was a little that? more colorful, but, you know. Well, he came here for good reasons. And, Jake, i got to give you some credit because you were the f- you were the first one in the media, I heard really talk about Moutier in this way. You picked up on it immediately. As soon as that arc turned upward, you had it. It started to click for him. You could tell. And I used this. Uh, I used this analogy um, on the uh, on the pregame the other day, yesterday, uh, and I've used it with you. But I think it's a good one. Like you, uh, you were doing some work on the old golf swing this summer. I was. And the the first time out. After you got some instruction on to change some, you know, some sig- significant stuff with the swing, mm-hmm. you were you were bumping and grinding a little bit, trying to get it to work for you and trying to to get that to be habit and and you know correct what was what was wrong, and it just takes some time. And I think with Emmanuel Moutier, he came in with the attitude of I'm going to correct some stuff with my game. And, of course, it's not going to happen overnight, but I think we're really seeing it start to click with the guy. Yeah. And and it doesn't mean that you can't do your strengths, which is going to the basket, which we saw a lot last night from him. Yeah. It just means that you need to expand your horizons. Indeed. And, and we're, we're absolutely seeing that. He, last night, Gordon, and I, I'm sure you know the play I'm talking about. I think it was in the second quarter 
where he got a pass and he was just barely above the break outside the three-point line and saw he saw before he even got the ball, he saw Rudy run in the lane. Yes. And he just, a touch pass to Rudy, and Rudy didn't finish, but he got fouled. Mm-hmm. And it was, I, I was doing the show with Coach Lacombe, and he, he looked at me and he, he said, no way he does that a month ago. I mean, that was just a, a great example of how he's evolved as a player. And I tell you what, when Mike Conley comes back, he's proven that he still has a role on this team, that he still is going to demand minutes, yeah. even when you know uh, Conley gets back. Because a lot of people have been thinking he's been playing so much because Conley has been out. And maybe that was the case, why he got his opportunity. But he's played well enough that, that he's got a spot in that rotation, or should. You know, it's it's uh, it's so true what you say about, and I'm, I'm sorry for the personal story here, and it's one I've told before, but it fits perfectly what you were saying. When my when my daughters were playing tennis, uh, one of their coaches changed their grip, and it really messed uh, messed my daughter's game up for a short while. And she was in a match, and she was doing what the coach told her to do. And and I, I said, what's going on here? And he said, I'm really proud of her. She, she's uh, doing, she's sticking with what I taught her, and it's something new. She could switch back and win this thing easily, but she's not. And that's what Moody is doing. He is, he is listening to what uh, Quinn Snyder, just like you said, paying attention to it and adding new elements to his game, much to the benefit of the Utah Jazz and much to the benefit of Moutier's career. Yeah. And he's playing some defense. And you gave the the advice to Grayson Allen when he was drafted, and uh, you were right. If you want to play for Quinn Snyder, you got to play on defense. And and we're seeing that out of Jordan Clarkson, too, who is not a natural defender. Right. I mean, he's, he's just not. I mean, he's never going to be Gary Payton out there. But the effort level is high. He had a block shot last night. Well, I think, mean, think about what the atmosphere can do for a player. If you're playing for the New York Knicks, are you buckling down on defense every trip? Well, they're certainly not. Well, exactly. What's your motivation? They didn't. I, I know that maybe some players have personal pride and they can conjure that from within. But when the team isn't, does there's peer pressure on the Jazz and there's coach pressure as well. And I mean in the best sense of the word. You know, other people out there trying to improve their games, trying to get better. Why not you? Yeah. Well, last night with the Knicks, I mean, they, they had lost that game before it even started. Well, that's what Tim said. Yeah. The, the box, the box over, was checked. Yep, he did say We're that. losing tonight. They're, they didn't play their two best players. The end of a road trip that was just a disaster. Uh, I mean, they, they lost before they even stepped on the floor. And, they, I mean, they played like it. Here's, here's the Jazz point totals. 39 in the first quarter, 33, 23, 33. And you look at that third quarter and you say, oh, they only had 23 points. Well, the Knicks only had 16. So, I mean, they they just stomped that team, and that team was, was already on the plane back to New York. We said before the pregame, we're talking about it, what is important for the Jazz in a game like this, and it is to concentrate on themselves. At what, Let's be honest, Jake. At what point did you lose interest in the game? Oh, Gordon, well, I've got to do a show after the I game, know. so I did not lose interest in the you game. You didn't lose interest at all? I have to talk about it all after I, the game. I didn't say you didn't pay attention. I said, when did it become... Oh, I mean, it was over at halftime. But I can't... <laughs> I can't. What, what did you, you turn the channel on the TV? Yeah, right. i got to talk about it in a post-game <laughs> show. Gordon acts like, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to walk across Isn't the Isn't mash on somewhere? <laughs> grab some ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> 
That, get, that, that Jeopardy tournament's on, right? i got to get my Alan <laughs> Alda right. fix. Oh, by the way, how did Ken Jennings do in that? Do we know? Uh, DVR'd. DVR, okay, so we you don't want to know? I, I mean, I've got the internet, so I know. But well, So what happened? No, I'm not. No, no. I'm not going to be the guy. Well, it was Tuesday. It started Tuesday night. I'm not going to be the guy. I'm sorry. Jeopardy is just like... I think we're within the window of don't spoil it. Jeopardy is like live sports. I mean, there's there's no spoiling rules. It's not like a it's not like You a Google movie. it and you announce it. I'm like not taking movie. that kind of heat. All right. Just no, I mean, that. nobody's... People could have DVR'd the jazz game last night, too, and they're not complaining that we're talking about it. I mean... Jeopardy is is that's a little different. Once Jeopardy hits the air, I feel like it's relevant. Oh, all right. How do you, <laughs> see? How do you do? Uh, well, I haven't gotten the complete results here. Uh, let's see. Looking, looking. Because there's a there's a lot of Salt Lake slash. It's not over, by the way. Slash Utah Pride wrapped up in this whole thing, right? All right. I, I mean, was, he's a listener of he, this show. He is the Tony Finau of trivia. <laughs> huh. As I read this, the first item in the story is spoiler alert. This story contains details from Wednesday's match in ABC's Jeopardy, the greatest of all time tournament. See? This is an incredible idea on Jeopardy's part, by the way. It really is. Well, you know what this is going to make it do? It's going to make it feel dumb. I'm pretty good at trivia. Are you good at trivia? I like trivia. Do you? I'm not. Also, I'm not conceited enough to just say I'm good at trivia. No, I mean, yeah, but I, I don't mean great. I just mean, are you? Do you? Jeez. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I'll say it this way. I think I'm pretty good at trivia, but when I watch these guys, holy cow, they are phenomenal. You think they just grew up reading the encyclopedia? I think. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, knowing our good friend Tony I'm better than you at what you do for a living, and I've never done it before. (laughs) Like, Austin, you do a show with Tony. Like, I'm I'm pretty convinced that Tony just grew up watching those NFL films videos. And nothing else? That's, like, all he did because he just references these all these games before he was even born. I think, like— I think he just thought, you know what? I like what I like. So when we go to rent a movie, I'm com- I'm coming back with an armful of, uh, of NFL film stuff. Uh, you know what I mean? That, yeah, probably. Hey, that, that, that's, that's the only way it could ha- he could he could right, have that knowledge. Right. You know, I grew up on Ducktales. Tony is listening to the the Autumn Wind or whatever it is. Like it's fine, <laughs> you know. But that's that's what I'm convinced happened. Like Ken Jennings, did he just grow up in an empty room full of encyclopedias <laughs> and decide, well, this is what I've got to do. This is how I'm going to entertain well, myself for the next uh, well, 10 years. Whatever he did, it worked, and I admire it. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, I admire it. It's cool he's from Salt Lake. Uh, okay, so apparently the winner ultimately has to win three matches in a row. And if I'm reading this correct, one match consists of two shows. Jeez, so this is going to go on for a while. So, uh, it's, it's just this week, though. Right? So the competition kicked off, it says here, uh, the competition kicked off Tuesday. Ken Jennings was the first to advance. Yeah. A step toward becoming Jeopardy! Goat. In game two, Holtzhauer was the victor, as the players worked to, as Jennings put it, leave something in the tank to get through an hour of play. I, I, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but it says that they're going to return each weeknight Except for Monday, until one wins three nights or matches, and it was taped in December. Oh, okay, by the way. I was going to say, is it live? Or it's, was, no, it's it, over. It's over. So, because I was gonna in say, fact, there was so much money that came in on one of the contestants uh, offshores that they believe it leaked, <laughs> and so they you can't bet on it. You couldn't oh, bet on wow. it as of uh, Sunday morning. Oh wow! 
The contest could end as early as Friday if Jennings or Holzhauer, is that how you say his name, yeah. sweeps the rest of the week. It could also stretch out until a three-way winner-take-all match on the 16th. The winner gets $1 million. See, With I, the other two competitors each receiving two hundred and fifty thousand, these guys are fantastic at this. It, I mean, it is it is truly amazing. If it were live, I was thinking, all on Michael Jordan, we could somehow poison Holsauer. But since it's been taped, that that probably isn't going to happen. Can I can I tell you that I always wondered something about Jeopardy that I actually uh, got answered. What if you finished with negative? Money, right? Do you have to pay. Yeah, is there some guy waiting by the dressing room door with like <laughs> some a, goon with down. like a lead pipe? You know, it's like, all right, mm, there's the we've got something to settle. Like, cough your, it up, like pal. Your bill before uh, I'm gonna <laughs> let you out of here. You know, you were down eight hundred bucks, so mm, I'll take cash and cash. And what was the answer? So uh, my wife, loosely friend of a friend, kind of thing, knew somebody who competed on Jeopardy and finished. Like, that's a funny story in and of itself, how, how we watched that. But he finished in the red. Yeah, because you had a party for it, right? Yeah. It was embarrassing because yeah, he got everything wrong. He didn't get one right. In fact, <laughs> what kind finished, of party is he that? He finished in the negative. He didn't even get to go to, to Final Jeopardy. And it, it just was like everybody was excited for and him. And he invited everyone and he over? he invited everybody to the uh, like a local bar to watch it. You know, all the TVs are on. Everybody's like, oh, we know this guy. And it's it's like, oh, Ooh, you had a you had a rough go. <laughs> but anyway, he did say that no, he didn't he didn't have to pay any money. Well, how did he get on if he wasn't good at it? Don't you have to be at a certain level before you can get on there? So they well, yeah, there's like a big screening process. Maybe, and I'm sure he's good at trivia. No, yeah, his, maybe he just maybe he had bad luck. He said that there is like the, the timing with the buzzer is is a, an acquired skill. That he knew tons of questions, sure. but he like the the there's a certain What's way to, he not the sure sun was in his eyes that he knew the answer and so he hesitated like to it, hit like the buzzer? like think about it this way um it, you know you'd think you'd get up there and hear the the answer not the question the, you'd hear the answer and then yeah. you'd go hmm yeah i think i know that one click right. where most of the time it's they're clicking like crazy as Alex is reading the question, and so I guess he got caught up in that a little bit. And then the one that he actually got through is like, um, Toledo. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I had a friend that went on that show, and he won uh, a bunch one of money up. for his kids' uh, education. That was blatant one-upsmanship right there. If that's actually true, how have we never heard that story? That's a before? good story. I, I, yeah. I don't think I can top that. Austin knows. I've told that, that story was before. absolutely blatant. Have you ever? So w- you know a guy who went on there and was dreadful. Well, <laughs> my friend was awesome. <laughs> have you ever been on a game show, or have you ever wanted to go on one? No, no. We tried to get my brother on that uh, Wipeout show. Oh, that'd be fun. Uh, oh, he would have been great at it, too. Really? He's got incredible balance. Well, by great was... at it, you mean, oh, you mean actually, because yeah. that, that show is actually you want them to not be good at it. Right, but if you're, if you know, you have a family member competing, you hope sure. to win. So he has good balance. He has really he, good balance. He doesn't necessarily, he doesn't practice this, this. Well, if he knew he was going to be on the show, I'm sure we could have set something up in the backyard. Gordon, what do you mean practice? <laughs> Goes to the playland at McDonald's. <laughs> Everyone clear out. 
I'm working on my game Have here. Have you seen that show and the yeah. contraptions that they put yeah. you through? It's not exactly something it is, that you it can is, just practice. It is funny, though. I got to hear it. How was it not still on the air? Because it was unbelievable. It was the best show on TV. It was incredible watching people just get beat up. I went with my best friends in high school, or after we graduated, to The Price is Right, and one of us went out, won a truck and an oven and went to the showcase. Who was it? Uh, my best friend, Casey. Casey Craven. And won a bunch of... What did he win? Lost the showcase to another lady from Salt Lake. Really? Yeah. Is he good at prices? I, I never... No, he looked it. to me, and I told him the answer. <laughs> how, do you, how are you good at that? Because I watched a lot of Price is Right growing See, up. See, I had a, I had a roommate who DVR'd The Price is Right. And he watched it. I VHS recorded it. Every yeah. single day. <laughs> and watching The Price is Right with him was incredible because he had everything down to the penny. He knew every product. He was like seven ninety five. Yep. It was, it was like, you've taken all the fun out of this. How can you watch this How every he, day? Yeah but, yeah, but don't those prices vary? Well, one season they used the same, they use like all the same products. They have all yeah. the same sponsors and oh, stuff. Oh, so they, have they been revealed, the price has been revealed in previous shows? Right. Yeah, because oh, they okay. tape them. They that. tape them all, you know. Yeah, well, this was we went in the the summer, and it did not air until like almost Christmas. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. They're not doing all those live. They're yeah, but I did, I didn't know that there you could watch. I didn't know you could watch the show and then study up. It's stuff in the grocery store. Well, no, like if you were going to the season fresh, obviously he hadn't watched shows unless they used the same product season to season, but. He was really good at it because he watched it every day. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, so I it would have been different the, had he been saying, there. To Austin's point. And he goes grocery shopping. A, no, but the prices are different in different stores. By pennies. You don't have to get it right on. You have to be closest without going over. I told you I got invited to be on to tell the truth. <sighs> Coming up next. <laughs> of all. There's coaching. There's great irony here. Gordon, we talked about, uh, it was breaking news on the show yesterday that Mike Leach had interviewed with Mississippi State. We find out today. Sayonara, Mike. He's off. He's going to be the next head coach of the Bulldogs. Well, I don't like it for, I feel, for the players who he recruited to go to Washington State who are now there and they're going to have a different coach and whatnot. But I find this a fascinating move because I want to see what he does at Mississippi State. There have been years when that team has been pretty good and other years not so good. So what is he going to do? He's how many coaches do you know could go into Texas Tech and make that successful and then go to Washington State, a program that struggled for how long, and turn that thing around? They've been, uh, the Cougars have been to like, what, five straight bowl games? Was it last year that they were 11 and 2? What year were they yeah, 11 and 2? It was last year. Mm -hmm. With an Alabama bowl, uh, bowl win over Iowa State? Yeah. I mean, the, he, he's, love him or hate him, he has done things. That others could not do. And maybe this would be more radical back in the day when SEC football was more smash mouth. Now you have a, a little more innovation down there. But Mike Leach isn't going to change what he does. He's going to go in there and throw the football, man. No, it's it's a great hire for them because his system is perfect for underdogs. It, it's just where he's Troy Calhoun, but the entire opposite. I mean, it's it's... <laughs> He's great at places like like Pullman and where's Texas Tech Lubbock, uh, because it's it's about and and not to I mean he's got BYU roots so it's not a surprise right I mean BYU found a way to equalize the footing in college football right 
You know, they went out there and they slung it all over the yard in a day and age where it was a couple of yards in a cloud of dust. And all of a sudden, BYU is just as good as these monster programs because they're they're innovative, right? And and they're doing things people other folks aren't. And Mike Leach has been that way, right? Preparing for that air raid is something totally unique. We've we've heard Kyle Whittingham talk about it a zillion times. You go into a place like Mississippi State, Starkville is not the 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 glowingest place to to recruit to, but right. there are players there. So if you can put it together, like Dan Mullen did in Mississippi State, and get a few key players there and plug that into to Mike Leach's system, I'm with you. I'm excited to see uh, what it does down there. But what quarterback wouldn't want to play for Mike Leach? In 18 years at Tech and State, he's 139 and 90. Now that that's not a glowing record if you're at Alabama, but when you're at these places, yeah. See, and I don't I don't think his his shtick would work at a big-time program. I think he has to be at one of those why not? plucky underdog why, why programs. Because his personality, he he's almost, you know, like um, he and Rick Majerus are very different, don't get me wrong, but there's a reason Rick stayed at Utah, right? Well, he, I, he could do, he could run things the way he wanted to run them, which was certainly unique. and a while. And, and get away with it and be under the radar and not, you know, Mike. I think Mike's a little that way, and in, in his act is a little bit peculiar, and it gets results, but it's not. It's not the norm. You when, know what I mean. When you first said that, I thought you were talking about this, his success on the field. That's I get what you're saying about the quirkiness. Well, and then on the field, the the air raid. I mean, Oklahoma runs a version of it, right? And it's it's pretty successful, but it's. It's almost like Mike D'Antoni's old style in the NBA. I don't know how proven it is to to win at a big time level because it puts the defense in such a bad position, and that'll be the interesting thing is is in the SEC where you know people make their names on that hard nosed defense or whatever. I wonder how it's going to go. I've always disagreed with you on this when you've talked about how hey, if you're at USC, just student body left, student body right. Because you can do that better and you can get the good athletes to do that and whatnot. But I I think you can succeed with a niche program with uh, with better athletes. I mean, I think he can go in there and win big if he recruits the right athletes. And he seems to be able to do that. And he seems to be able to take quarterbacks who other people didn't really want and succeed with them. Who was the kid from Utah? Oh, now that you put Cameron Cooper? Yeah. No, no. Or Luke no, Falk. No, no, Luke Falk. Falk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Utah State didn't want him. Well, Gardner Minshew was going to be the third string at Alabama until Mike Leach called him and yeah. said, you want to go be third string with the Crimson Tide or you want to lead the nation in passing? And he, Which is still just an unbelievably classic line. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm curious. Let's talk about Washington State, though, for a second. All right. Because where where do they look now? Because Washington State has been a, a fairly formidable program under Leach, and if they don't make the right hire here, they're going right back to the basement. I mean, because they don't have a whole lot of built-in advantages, including a ton of money to pay a head coach. So I will be really interested to see which which way they go. Well, even with Leach, they were 55 and 47. It's not a program that's set up to, to dominate on a regular basis. No, and a lot of that is, well, some of it might be location, but some of it is also uh, the fact that I don't think Washington State spends money on its athletics the way some places do. No, they don't. 
They they don't. And, uh, you know, we get up all caught up in TV money, and TV money, it, it's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But still, I, I want to say the majority, if not the vast majority, of revenue coming into these athletic departments is still coming at the turnstile. And Washington State sometimes is not selling a ton of tickets because it's not – well, first of all, it's not a big city – and second, and it takes alumni a long time to get there. It's not easy to yes. get to, uh-huh. and they don't have the storied tradition that make you willing to drive into the middle of nowhere to go to these games, like other places like Nebraska or something like that. So yeah, I, had a I mean, harrowing uh, drive out of Pullman once, you know, with the weather and all that stuff. It was yeah, it's out there. It is out there, and it's it's not the you know beautiful. Seattle Pacific Northwest that you picture it's inland <laughs> and it's colder and it's I, I imagine yeah. it's nice in the summer it probably is nice in the summer but they're not playing football in the summer Mike Leach by the way was making uh, let's see here base salary 3.7 million dollars oh so if they good. spend that much they they probably can get a, a coach but I don't know if they'll I mean, Leach had a name going into that job, and he's probably gotten a couple of raises, so I don't know if they'll start at 3.7. Uh, looking at uh, at some candidates, Austin, I know you threw out a name on Twitter. Yeah, where'd you get that from? Alex Grinch? Yeah. Uh, he was the, why, I mean, why did you think he would be such a good fit? Well, he comes from, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he Ohio State at one point, and then he came out to Washington State to with Mike Leach. He brought him out there from 15 to 17 to be the defensive coordinator, and every time that there seems to be a head coach opportunity or a, a step up at the coordinator level. Alex Grinch's name gets brought up. He's already been there. He's now the D.C. at Oklahoma. Maybe he'd like to come back to Pullman and be the head coach. He's, he's the guy they were going to hire when Leach interviewed with Tennessee a couple of years oh, ago. Okay. He was the one that they were going to pick. And the only time the Washington State defense was good under Leach was when he was there and they were okay. But he's he's got a good reputation, and uh, he's young though. And he is young. Um, but but honestly, if if we want to localize this topic a little bit, I wonder if Jake Jay Hill's phone rings. Yeah, or there, is there a coach in Utah, an assistant coach, or someone like Jay, who would be in the running for a job like that? Or who do you think would be the most the best fit? Who do you think could do the best job up there? I mean, Morgan is kind of spoken for right now. Um, I I mean honestly, Kalani. Hmm. You think? Uh, yeah. I mean, he's he's had history coaching up there. He's had history coaching in the Pac-12. If we're talking about local guys, mm-hmm. he'd probably be interested in making three point seven million dollars. <laughs> um, you know that uh, that part of the Pac-12 kind of has some history in the Polynesian culture. That would probably be attractive to Washington State, I would imagine. So, you know, he's recruiting to Oregon State isn't the most fun thing in the world, so there's probably some similarities there. Um, it depends on how much he's liking his current position at, at BYU. But, I, I mean, if we're talking about a local guy who, if I were Washington State and they said, around this local scene, pick a football coach, that might be where I look. What about but Andy I, Ludwig? I'd, I'd look at Jay Hill, too. Andy Ludwig, I don't think, wants to be a head coach. Okay. Do you know that? Have you talked uh, to him? No, I haven't specifically, but I've heard that, though. Hmm. From it. And, and by the way, if if that was really his ambition, it probably would have happened somewhere by now, right? You would think. And, and by the way, I think the world of Jay Hill. But do you really see a Pac-12 school scooping up an FCS head coach to be their head coach? Well, well Washington that, State has done it before. Yeah, it didn't they, work. They, uh, but Mike Price. Right. Well, didn't, Mike Price, and they did it with Paul Wolf. So it worked with Mike Price. It did not work with Paul Wolf. Disastrous with Paul Wolf, actually. 
But but I if I were Washington State, I wouldn't scratch Jay Hill off my list just because he he coaches at that level. I mean, I okay. I I would want here's what, if I were Washington State, I would say this is a unique place. So give me your plan on how we're going to succeed. And and maybe with Grinch, the advantage you have there is he has history at that school specifically, and I would mm-hmm. guess he's probably at least thought about how he would succeed. Well, that's what there. worked so well for Gary Anderson when he first went to Utah State. Or Jay Hill at, at Weber State. Yeah, I mean, they had plans. They had ideas. They knew what they – they had really processed this, what would work in that particular spot, and they weren't winging it. They weren't making stuff up. It made sense, and they went ahead and did it. Right. So – uh, we'll we'll see which direction they go, but there's a job opening in the in the Pac-12, Gordon, and it's not the best job in the Pac-12, but it is a Pac-12 job. Well, I know that Mike uh, sometimes it, it, it takes things a little too far. We have chronicled that in the past, but he is an interesting man. Well, maybe when he dumps on his players multiple times a year, we should have <laughs> known that he was looking to leave. More straight ahead on the Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.